Welcome to Sound of Symphony, the unofficial symphony podcast. I'm Magnus Nordander. I'm Tobias. I'm Ryan Weaver. And I'm Jared Ferris. And uh, we haven't been re- we haven't been releasing episodes very regularly. I know we've been saying this for for a long time, but. Um, um, we saw there's there's been a lot of interesting developments in the symphony community, so uh, we we decided to to get the band back together and Ooh. do an episode. And also uh, that guy on Twitter. That's that's true as well. That's it seems to be a good way for us to 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 to, to get us to spring into action to poke us on Twitter. <laughs> what 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 is our official excuse for for not recording for a few months? Did we? I can't remember if we if we had an official lie that we wanted to tell. I don't know. I went to space. I don't know about you guys. That, oh, that's that's true. I, I had a baby, uh, and Jared went to space. Mm-hmm. Yes, a combination of those two things. Yes, I've been. I've just been busy. <laughs> <laughs> running in place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Running in place. Um, but I'm sure. Uh, well, you one guys thing are... that hasn't been is symphony. Symphony has been moving this whole time. Exactly, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have all read Fabian's series of blog posts. Mm-hmm. Yes, about uh, about Symphony Four, I believe, or Symphony Three Point Three. What's let, let's let's try to clear up the difference here between Symphony Four and Symphony Three Point Three, because I believe some of the things in the blog posts are coming in Three Point Three. Some of them are in Symphony Four only. What's the um, what's the difference? Hmm. To, uh, well, the number is different. Yes, <laughs> and and yes. the release date is different. So uh, let me, I'll, I'll I'll kick off. Like this is the cool thing about <laughs> Symphony, right? Is is usually when when something is new in Symphony Four or even new in Symphony Three, we just do that for marketing because really it comes in an earlier version. But it doesn't mm-hmm. sound as 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 sexy to say new in three point three. So instead we say like new in four. Um, but really, most of the stuff is going to be new in three point three. Um, but it is, you know, it is kind of a mixture. So, so here's an example. Like if you use symphony two and you went from symphony two to symphony three, you know, that we had the new directory structure in symphony three, but really you could have changed your directory structure in symphony two. We just didn't give you the new directory structure in symphony three, you know, when you downloaded it until symphony three. So I think by and large, we can, I can kind of throw that as a, as a first, a goal, uh, thing here is that there are certain things that you could just do now, but we're not going to do it for you officially until Symphony 4. Um, and one of those is another directory structure change that will come in Symphony 4. Yeah. And that's a lot of, uh, well, a, a large part of Fabian's blog posts have been about the new directory structure and, well, not just the, the directory structure, but it, but but also the uh, a new a new philosophy on how to code symphony applications. Uh, one might perhaps say a very flexible one. Indeed. Uh, oh, that was that was a, that was nice. Yes, I see what you did there. <laughs> mm, symphony flex. So what? So what is symphony flex then? Well, uh, basically. Um, it, you know, back in Symphony 2 and Symphony 3, the sort of default way to get Symphony was you download the Symphony Standard Edition. Yeah. And I mean, there, there were some some other editions that you could download. I, For example, 
for, for a long time maintained a, a micro edition, not to be confused with the micro kernel. But the, the idea with the standard edition uh, was that it contained um, some of the stuff that you, you would need to build um, uh, some, some common web applications. It had Doctrine in there, it had Swift Mailer in there, um, and um, it, it gave you sort of a starting point. Um, but it turns out that not all applications, for example, need Swift Mailer or um, um, the, the, the demo bundle that was there for a long time. Um, so basically, a lot of times when you were using the standard edition, one of the thir first things you had to do is you started removing things you didn't need. And Symphony Flex, on the other hand, the way I understand it is basically taking uh, the other approach that it starts with basically nothing. Uh, I mean, if you look at the Symphony Flex repository, the skeleton repository, it's just a composer file. Yeah. Um, yeah. At first, I was like, "What is he? I, I, I don't get it. Did they forget to like post it or something?" <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Yeah, but basically, it starts with pretty much nothing, um, and then you basically add on what you need. So instead of of ha having a standard set and removing things and adding things, you have nothing and you add, um, which is a nicer process. Um, it's a nicer process for for us here, but it's a nicer pro process for for newcomer to Symphony. If yeah. someone says, "Here, I, I, I want to try Symphony," and you get an empty composer file, pretty much. Yeah, empty. I think that's. But a you, file. Is it easier to make, uh, you know, using the composable um, methodology? Is that easier for somebody to make a recipe for a newcomer that would put something together that would be only be the pieces they need, so that there wasn't a lot of distracting stuff. Ah. So yeah, so there's there's two parts to it, right? So if I if I'm trying to teach you Symphony and I and I'm able to show you a a smaller project that only has maybe the three things that you need, then then yeah, I feel like that's going to be easier for you to understand and for me to teach you that. But on the flip side, it's the other side of it is is yeah, if you start with the composer.json file and you're like, yep, here you go, have fun. It's like, uh, what's <laughs> next? So it's like, what's, you know, like there's a, there's the discoverability, you know, if I give you a bunch of files, then you at least know you can open up those files and start editing things. But if I just give you a composer.json file, then, then how do you know what to do next? Um, and, and I think, I think Fabian's answer to that is going to be the, the curated repository of things. So, you know, with, with part of Flex is it's a, it's an, basically an add-on to Composer. It's a hook into Composer. And when you install things via Composer, they'll install normally unless you are one of these what you're installing is uh is in this curated flex repository in which case when you install that there'll be an extra recipe that does extra things on your system um so that's the the goal there is to make installing things easy because if you have to install everything by hand and create directories and configure them it's going to be a pain um, but the flip side of that is is i think that because there's going to be this curated repository you'll go there to see what's available so you know there's you know however many packages there are in the composer packages world 
Um, so how do you know like what what do you need? But if you go look at the curated list, we might say, hey, if you need an admin bundle, you want to re like install this, and we've added recipe around it. If you want to install, I don't know, something else, like here is the the package that we've kind of pre-curated for you. So a shorter list of options. The user would still need to kind of grab those and get them, but they're not looking from the whole universe of stuff. Yeah, hmm. I'm and not that's, sure that's a good that's, thing or a bad thing. So, yeah, it's so interesting have, because it makes. No, go ahead. So you have like a premium set of bundles. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, but but they're but they're no charge. <laughs> well, wait, wait. I mean, is there a difference sure. between premium and promoted? If because the way that I read that was is that is it they'll they're going to have a curated set of bundles that are kind of the ones that Symphony kind of what they did with Aesthetic, right? Like for a while they were saying, hey, Aesthetic is one that we generally think is pretty good. You know, over time that got that got replaced and removed or whatever. But I, my my understanding of that was like Fabian's like, you know, we're going to try to help you, but we can't cover all the packages. There's just too many. So we're going to try to say, hey, if you're doing kind of straightforward stuff that generally gets done, these are the packages that we recommend. But it's okay. not a more of a promotion than it is like a, a premiere. I would read that as KMP is releasing ones you have to pay for or. Okay, but, but but how about this? Could could my bundles that I make could they be in the uh, could they be installed by using Flex? Uh, not not yours because uh, I'm a uh, I've I've told them to stay away from you, Tobias. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. But say <laughs> bundles. Tobias test. Yeah, no, yeah, no, the, yeah. So that's that's the trick, right? And I think that's one of the questions that people have. The answer is yes, of course, but you know only if you can get your bundles. Uh, pass to the guards, you know, the guards, which would be the Symphony core team, uh, yeah. if you get them to agree that, yeah, yeah yours yeah, is the okay, best. So, so, okay. So, so, yeah. I, so I can't really host the, these recipes myself. I can't really... So this is one of the things that oh. came. So if you look right, right this second, if you look at the latest blog post, and, and I realize that's going to change, so I apologize, but it's the first blog post that sort of talks about this idea of having this um, kind of repository full of recipes, and it's going to be it's this guarded repository. Um, the downside of that is that means that you're either in the guarded repository, or you're not. And, and then you don't have a place to put your recipe. So you might have a great bundle. Maybe it's not so great or such an official solution that the Symphony core team accepts it. But, you know, darn it, your bundle is still a really good bundle. And you would like when people install it that you are able to put a recipe in there so that your configuration is automatically installed and the user has a nice experience. Mm -hmm. So what Fabian is going to do, and, uh, and and I think we'll see something about this in the next few days, is have two repositories, the official guarded one, and then another one that's uh, kind of a contributed mod, uh, uh, contributed repository. And, yeah. uh, and Flex will actually take from both of them. The official one will be easier to use and look at you know those will be the things that are kind of in your face but ultimately um the other one's going to be there and recipes will be uh like basically accepted into that with without any you know with, with only the most basic checks of for quality hmm. yeah, and, and, and this is moving in the direction of like uh um you being able to come in and and like script the construction of a package right uh say hey you know these are the defaults modify the defaults so on and so forth and that's like you've got your make script or whatever it is. So, you know, Puppet and Chef and those things, they have recipes and not the rest. You don't have to get a recipe from the official repository that's put out by the people that make Chef or whatever. You know, so I would assume some other thing like that. You'd have the official ones that are supported 
by or not necessarily supported but are promoted by uh the symphony core team and then you have other ones kind of like packages that live outside but directly um talk with and work with the symphony community that's the way i would imagine it because you're right tobias if it is locked off specifically then somebody else would have to build that same exact tool to get that same functionality and yeah and i think i mean i i think having sort of the this um walled garden or curated set of, of packages uh is, that's one of those things that can turn out good or bad depending on not depending on technical merits but basically depending on how it's handled by the core team yeah. uh is the right packages getting through um and um because it is it is easier obviously it's easier for newcomers if there's basically one choice for if you want an admin generator use this if you want an orm use this um but it's um, but it's also a divide in the community I mean, package united us all. Composed united us. Every, every, everyone was, everything was easily to be installed, and everything was on the one single roof. And now we're now creating sub communities. Yes. Well, what if 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 Fabian were to be listening to this? What would you? What, what is the concern that you would want? Like, how? What would you want to see? Tobias, like, what would be the construction? I think that would work. Uh, for you? I, I know very little of Flex. I've just briefly read the blog post and I saw some talks about Fabian. But I, I would think, I would like to have a an additional file in my bundles repository, enabling it to be installed with Flex. And but that only solves part hard. of the problem. I thought that Tell was a, more. there was a spec for that. I yeah, I mean that that solves the part about how do you install bundles easily. It doesn't it doesn't solve the part of yes, how do yeah. I discover good bundles. Oh. Uh, okay, so we're only talking about discover good bundles. Yes, I okay. mean if that's okay, well, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah I, okay. If, if that's the case, I'm 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 fine with having a symphony recommendation. Yeah, yes. and I think the the uh, basically that's going to be have to be judged by its execution and. Wow. Um, I, I certainly there's certainly potential at least for for that working out well. Yeah. Okay. Hi. So. My, my 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 concern was that I I want to be able to I want to allow my users to install my bundles easily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I can't imagine that that Sensio would ever like want to wall you out of that. Uh, you know. So. Uh, yeah. That, that's still a work in progress. What I what I can't tell you right now is why. Um, it's there's going to be this kind of con second contributed repository versus having the flex recipes right in your repository. I don't know the answer behind that. I don't know if there's a technical reason for that or if uh, if there's more like a philosophical reason for that. Well, isn't isn't a flex configuration different from a bundle configuration? Like the bundle says, this is the how this is how you auto configure the sensible uh, basic configuration, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you install the bundle, there's this make script or or Composer script or whatever that runs and looks at the environment and determines what the automatic configuration is. So I would think the flex script would be the thing that would control those individual uh, uh, make scripts that are within each one of those to modify them to work together. So you're you're composing these things, and so the flex the flex itself is a systemic tool, not a bundle tool. Yeah, I think that's accurate, and I, I think yeah. you could still make the argument, though, that well, yeah, you know, but it's still for my own convenience. I want to have my bundles uh, flex configuration, like how it gets installed via flex in my own bundle, so I can maintain yeah. it. 
Um, and yeah. I don't know if there's reason. Like in some cases, it makes sense. Like right, like we're not gonna. You're like if you have a library, like when you install Guzzle into a Symphony app, you know I don't want to have to do a pull request to Guzzle to like put some Symphony garbage, Symphony Flex configuration garbage in their repository. Um, right, but it's a yeah. little, you know, a little gr- more gray when you're talking about a bundle which will be installed in Symphony. Then it feels fine to have Symphony Flex configuration there. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think well that's the stuff that will be figured out um you know fabian has already he's already like seen that thing where people were like whoa 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 then you know what about my stuff that's not going to be in the official one i want it to be easily installed and so he's already kind of like changed a little bit um i think he was always planning on doing that contrib repository but he sort of th- saw it as a uh, we can do it later thing and uh and and based on the feedback from that latest blog post which i think is the one you were saying tobias he was like nope uh i think we need to do it right now and I think there's there actually is one other one other thing that we haven't talked about that is an uh, that it would be quite important in sort of the the curated repository, and that is the fact that I assume that everything in the curated repository will work together. Uh, whereas technically, you yeah. could have conflicting bundles. You could have bundles uh, exposing the same services services with the same name. Um, you could have. Um, other sorts of, of conflicts like compiler passes that don't work together. So does that mean uh, you have I would a assume... spec spec? <laughs> I don't think so, but I would assume that anything that goes into into the the curated repository is sort of uh, air quotes guaranteed to work with the other things in the curated repository. Well, if you have a um... I mean, would there be a way of like automating that testing at some you know some later point where you could say, hey, you know, write a write a, an actual spec like thing to say, hey, you know, at the end of this, this is supposed to be configured this way, so that as as the systems that as the bundles get updated lie underneath it, you could run tests to determine if there's integration issues or whatnot. May not I mean, not at the beginning, but necessarily. No, it's I guess, it's, but, it's it's totally possible. Um, there's already going to be some. When you make pull requests to those repositories, those uh, recipe repositories, there is actually already going to be something that does basic automatically does basic checks on your flex thing, and and, a, and mm-hmm. kind of gives you an environment where you can test it. So that that to me almost feels like a half step away from you basically testing your install scripts. Which at that point, yeah, you could you could test it. What if these three bundles are installed? Um, so yeah, like in theory, yeah, you could do all of that. And and I think you know, Magnus, your point is we'll see if, how it works out. But your point is actually a really good one. Um, which is, you know, Symfony has always been more like uh, Linux, where it's like you, you install the packages that you need, and, and we're not going to give you anything out of the box. You know, it's not like the curated kind of Mac experience, and we don't want it to be. We want it to ultimately be like that. Like you are in control of your application, end of story. But, you know, Flex is trying to give you something a little bit more curated if you want to opt into it. So, you know, yeah. in addition to being like, you know, does this bundle conflict with this bundle? Sometimes you have bundles that actually, you know, if you install bundle A and also have bundle B installed, then bundle A will do more stuff for you. You know, if you have if both yeah. of those are in the official repository, right. that will get more attention. Hey, if these are both installed, let's actually go an extra step and, and, and do something different so that they kind of integrate together automatically. Yeah. Can you can you currently with Composer install the same package two t- two different times to, and have it work? No, no. So you have so if you have Guzzle, you've got Guzzle five and Guzzle six. You're going to well, Guzzle up... five and Guzzle five and Guzzle six are entirely different packages. No. Oh, wait, okay. So, well, I mean, a situation so where you'd have one. Huh? You're, you're mixing what? up your version, Magnus. 
Gosel 4 and Gosel 5 is different. Gosel 5 and 6 no, no, is Gosel major. Okay. It was Gosel 3 and Gosel 4. This is not an important detail always... at all, but now we have to park yeah, on it. Yeah, the, point, the point is, the point is uh, it, you know, uh, what I was, I was almost reading in there that he was suggesting that you may be able to install package-specific versions of, of dependencies. But I, I'm not entirely sure if Composer supports that. No, but, but, I was but that's on the lines of Node, like that Node tends to support that. Uh, but yeah, I, no, that's um, it. That's not supported by Composer, and I don't think that's. I don't see how why that would be well, a would, good idea, even. Why well, would make if you're because I, I my assumption is that a lot of this is driven by the Sensio Cloud stuff. Um, and so being able to do like unattended installs and things like that. So that's something that would actually help with that because if you have a uh, conflict and one library, I mean, one package already knows how to work with it. It works perfectly fine. There's no errors with an earlier version. Well, then, then why, why should you have to stop it just so you can like redeploy that package that you may not even own? But Composer already actually solves this. I mean, that's why you have the oh, log oh, file. I, I didn't know if Composer did or not. That's... Yeah, but that's why you have the log file. So usually when, whenever you're, say, deploying to a cloud or, well, deploying to your server or whatever, you're not doing a Composer update. You're doing a Composer install. So you're installing a known set of packages instead of getting the latest ones and installing them. Right, but if you um, have two packages that use conflicting versions of a library... Yeah, then you would have gotten an error when you're developing already. Right, but this okay. Well, we're talking uh, about anyway. I guess that's what I was getting at. Yeah, flex configurations. Sure. Um, so flex is going to be um, is, is going to be changing a lot of things in in Symphony, and not not least of which perhaps is. Um, well, maybe it's not really a Flex-specific thing, but uh, we were talking about bundles earlier. Um, and um, from what I understand, uh, Fabian wants to remove those entirely from from, uh, uh, from normal user's purview. Yeah, from, from your application, yes, but not yeah, from yeah. third-party. Third-party bundles are still fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's talking specifically about App Bundle? Yeah, basically yeah. only app bundle. Um, and this is something we've been talking about on this podcast earlier. I mean, the 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 uses of app bundle and the merits of having it and and um, and everything. But now, uh, now now Symphony is going in the direction of you are not supposed to to have app bundle. Uh, you don't need a bundle for your code. Uh, yeah, I remember no. when I when I met you, Ryan. That, the first time I ever talked to you was that training session you gave on how to remove the app bundle. I was ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I don't really have any strong feelings about it. I mean, sure, the bundle gives you some shortcuts. I mean, controllers are registered and commands are, are easier to write. But then again, oh. It, it, I don't have any strong love for the app bundle. I mean, if I could, no. if I can just have a folder directory called app, I would be perfectly fine. And and, yeah. and and I think you bring up a good point there because I think for a lot of users, they're sort of like, well, you have this moment sometimes when you go, wait a second, why do I have an app bundle? What 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 does this thing give me? And yeah, ba basically, it gives you the ability to have a command directory that automatically, you know, 
brings in your console commands and uh, and and your controllers in the controller directory uh, if you use YAML routing. Not that you can't point to them without a bundle, but you get the short syntax, you know, the app bundle yeah. colon, default colon, whatever syntax. But basically, and that there's a couple of other minor things, but, but basically that's it. So, you know, the, the moral of the story is you already can name app bundle to app and get rid of your app bundle.php file today. Uh, very few things would change and um, all of them already have not workarounds, but but different ways to do them. You know, there's you can tag a command. You can register your command as a service and tag it, and then it will be discovered. So there's different ways to do things. And uh, so the cool thing is, I don't think that I hope that users won't notice this that that much, other than their directory name will be shorter. That's cool. And and also you don't have to like wonder like what is this bundle thing and I don't understand bundles and what is my bundle giving me which is confusing because your bundle's not really giving you anything it's just this vestige left over that we finally need to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. You, you said you you register your controllers as services and you just tag them so you're naturally talking about auto wiring and auto configuring stuff right? Ah yes. Not necessarily. I mean that's that's the. Symphony 3.3 solution for the, for the problem, but I mean, even in Symphony, I think from like Symphony 2.5 or something, you've been able to register services and tag them with uh, with a particular particular dependency injection tag to have them appear as as commands when when you're running the um, the Symphony console. Um, but what auto wiring certainly is that's that's the solution that Symphony 3.3 brings to. Well, how do I how do I get services into my controllers, or how do I get my my uh, commands auto registered? Yeah, yeah I, I want to ask you guys about auto wiring, because I yeah. I remember it was a major discussion when we, the Symphony first introduced auto wiring because Drupal wanted it or something. Is auto wiring bad, or is it or is it a good thing? I'm sort of on the fence. I mean, I. Oh, that's it's 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 a difficult topic. I mean, I I have been coming around to to auto wiring, and I think basically the entire Symphony community have been coming around to auto wiring, um, because it is very neat. But you you lose the control of re registering your own services. Well, you don't. You still have the option to register yeah. your own service yeah, if you sure. want to. I mean, so, so I mean, basically, what it does is it provides you a a default way of registering your own services. And if you want to do it another way, you're you're free to, you can you certainly can, but you don't have to. But it's, but but what it does is that it brings convention over configuration usually. So there's the convention that uh, you should have your controllers be in the controllers directory, and uh, they're going to be automatically auto wired because uh, that's the default config. Well. It is configured still, but it's it, it's it still takes us more on the on the road to convention over configuration. Um, which and that's a bad thing. Or yeah, not I'm, I'm, I, I like configuration in general, but, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So right. that's that's why I'm on the fence. I mean, to me, the convention over configuration is always the thing of um, you know configuration says build these ten individual pieces. And convention says, Joe, just hit this button and it will take care of it all for you. Um, and, and, and some users, you, you can never satisfy everybody. You know, some people want to hit the button. Some people want to build the 10 things. Uh, the best of both worlds is to build the 10 things and then build the button. Yeah. That when you click the button, it just builds those 10 things for you. And, and 
you know, obviously I'm a big pro of auto wiring, so that's where I come from. But that's what we've tried to do with auto wiring is like, you know, hey, you can still wire all of your services, but then you can opt in to auto wiring and you see the configuration in your configuration file that says auto wire true. Um, so you can remove that or set it to false and opt out of it. Um, so, so even, you know, try to put when there is magic, try to put a little bit of configuration in front of you that shows you opting yeah. into that magic. And I think the way I think where I'm going to be coming down on this is that I will probably be using auto wiring in applications and not in in specific standalone bundle. Well, it's not standalone, but if I'm writing a bundle uh, for uh, for redistribution, I will not be using auto wiring in that. But inst I will instead be declaring explicit services. Yeah. So what you're basically saying, you will be using auto wiring in secret, but nobody can see it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> oh, that's I kind of great. like it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but but very seriously, that is there's very good advice if you're listening to this uh, and you are a bundle author. Don't use auto wiring. It is for applications. It's for secret. Uh, don't, don't. I don't ever want to see you publicly using auto wiring. Only use it in your <laughs> private life. I right. love that. I love that. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. so uh, about auto wiring because that's auto wiring is not new as you guys know to three point three. It came out in two point eight, but it got its butt kicked in three point three. It's way uh, yeah. different, extended, um, kind of crazy. So um, I think this is going to be the biggest thing uh, that you'll see with Symphony Four, and it's not Symphony Four; it's Symphony three point three. Um, though in Symphony 3.3, some of the configuration that we're talking about, when you download a new Symphony 3.3 project, you may not see us give you this configuration. We might not opt you into some of this new stuff until Symphony 4, but the features are technically there, So, and you'll start to see them in the docs. So uh, real quick, I'll, I'll kind of throw out a couple of things here. Um, one, uh, the, the, the kind of difficult part, not that difficult, but the difficult part with, with auto wiring is you need to enable it service by service. So if you love auto wiring for your stuff, you still need to remember to say auto wire true, auto wire true. So there's now a default section in your services file where you can actually specify configuration that will default onto all of your services in that file. Most notably, you can say defaults, then auto wire true, and then suddenly every file in your ser or every service in your services.yml gets auto wiring. So that's thing number one that you're going to see that's that's very different is that defaults key inside of your services, um, which again is optional, but you can have it. The second thing, which goes hand in hand with auto wiring, which is something that I'm starting to use and it's very interesting, is there's a new PSR for service loader. So up until now, if you had if you wanted something to be a service, right, guys, like you had to go into services.yml and register it. Yeah. Um, which, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying like, wow, wasn't that terrible. Um, the only exception to that being auto wiring, if you technically, if you had a service and you type hinted some other class and you hadn't registered that as a service yet, then we would kind of magically create you one. So there was kind of, there wasn't a case where we'd automatically create you one, but for the most part, you had to go and register your service. So one of the other new 3.3 features is the ability to basically say, go look at these directories and automatically make all of those services. So it'll look, oh, it'll, cool. it's still yeah. in your services file. It, it, the way it looks is the service ID. Instead of having a service ID, you have a namespace. So it would look like um, app bundle slash. And then below it has a resource key um, where you use some glob expressions and basically say, oh, I want like src slash app bundle slash command and comma uh, event subscriber comma, you know, service. You know, those are the three directories inside of app bundle that I want to automatically configure as a service. Um, and then, of course, if you want to, you can 
go below that and explicitly specify that service if you need to do some specific configuration. Um, yeah. The the last thing I'll and then I'm gonna open it up to, to to what you guys think about this so far because this is big changes is is the last thing is the service IDs are changing in 3.3 and this is one of those things that you don't have to opt into but you're gonna start seeing it and it's gonna look weird at first. We all know before up until now your service IDs are usually these underscore lowercase period things. In Symphony 3.3, we're starting to recommend that they are actually the class names themselves. And when you use that class loader I was just telling you about, mm-hmm. so when you use that cl- that class loader I was just telling you about, let's say you have a um, a command, so app bundle slash command slash awesome command. So when you use that loader and you load things from the command directory, your service ID will actually be app bundle slash command slash awesome command. So if you were to fetch it out of the container, it would be this arrow, container, arrow, git, and then that class name, or you know you can use the shortcut colon, colon, class syntax, but you would actually use the class name. There's no, te- you know, there's, and, and there's no, it's not technically important at all, but it's a big difference, right? Because all of a sudden yeah. it looks weird because you've been saying these underscored things your entire life. Yeah, yeah. Is there, will there be a way to alias them if you do want to use a short syntax? Oh, that was a good, good question. question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you know, yeah, services in Symphony have always there's always been an alias system, and yeah. um, and I, I won't drone on about it. But with auto wiring, aliasing becomes more important. Aliasing ends up being the way that if you have um, if you have two services that have the same class name, um, aliases end up being the way that you select which one of those you want to use when that class is type hinted, you know, because normally if you type hint uh, an argument and you want to auto wire that argument, we throw an exception if there are multiple instances, alias is being end up being the way that you choose which one you want. And uh, and the alias syntax is actually also changed in Symphony 3.3. Um, aliasing is now very, very easy. So if, if you have that long uh, class name uh, service ID and you wanted to, for some reason, alias that to something shorter, like foo, um, then you can actually in your services.yml file literally say foo colon space and then the long service name and that will alias foo to the longer service name. Not that that would, was particularly different, difficult before either. I mean, you could just do foo colon new line alias. No, no, new lines are out, line. Magnus. New lines are... are yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. It was not very difficult either before. But it's nice that it's even easier now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the key value, uh, it, it feels good. It looks very hipster to have a key value set up this alias for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 um, I, so, 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 like I said, I'm on the fence on auto-wiring. One thing that I do like about it is that it's going to be, big, so, so I, some, some of you probably, probably all you know, I love SimpleBus. SimpleBus is awesome. Uh, but it's always a pain in the ass to have to register your command handlers as services and tag them up with, and they're basically very similar services. Um, so I'm very happy to not have to do that manually. Oh, I, I thought I told you. I, I created a bundle for that. That you basically point to the, your commands directory and command handler directory, and it auto wire and auto discover everything for you. Really. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, well, that's think. it's it's interesting, but but de- but but sadly, very much deprecated with three point three. Then I suppose. Yeah, naturally. Uh, <laughs> I've been running this for years. Where really. do you think that code came from? 
<laughs> yeah, Tobias, you should have more code in the core repository than you think. He is going to have. He's been stealing from you. He's got no, like no, 2,300 credit. No, I'm getting the credit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, but that, naturally, that's an excellent use case to bring up, Magnus. Yeah. Yeah. And so, also, I do, I do like the prospect of... Because I... I've never really, in theory, liked the controller base class. Uh, I've always used the controller base class because it's so much easier, but I've I don't really like it. But with auto wiring, it, it'll suddenly become very easy not to use the controller base class. Mm. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're right because because specifically, you know, one of the reasons not to use not to register your controllers as services was a every single time you had a new controller class, you had to go to your services.yml and register it. Well, now you can just discover the controller directory. And then the second yeah. reason was every single time your controller needs a new dependency, you had to go and add update your arguments key. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th those both those reasons are are dead now. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's there's a third reason that that controllers as services are going to become uh, vogue again. It's going to be very hipster to make your controllers as services uh, in 3.3. And that is that you can now type hint arguments to your controller method your action method as services and have those injected so for example if you didn't really feel like going to all of the work of adding a construct function with a logger interface type hint and then setting it on a logger property you can yeah. just go down to your foo action and type hint it with logger interface and we will pass you the logger as an argument to your controller method yeah that's cool, but I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I prefer my constructor. I mean, I, I just got the ability to use the constructor pleasantly. Oh, I mean, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't want to take that away uh, from you. No, yeah. <laughs> it's like the unicycle for Magnus. He loves watching other people ride it. He just doesn't want to be on it himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he'll start using it in private. You never know. Perhaps, perhaps. Won't, won't tell you'll, anybody. You'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be on. Thing, it could be on Sound of Symphony website by tomorrow. <laughs> one thing I've noticed while reading this blog post, following on Symphony News, we talk about flex. We talk about bundleless applications. There's a new directory structure again, and um, we talk about make files and environment variables and yada yada yada. Symphony feels less and less like a framework. It's more of a uh, a group of tools or components that it's used for develop applications. But that's what a framework is. Yeah, but, uh, but a framework uh, always uh, so far mean means cohesive experience. Is a cohesive experience what you're referring to? No, I'm I'm, I'm saying a framework. Look look at uh, Drupal or Laravel. It, it's a it's many included files that help you build application in a certain way. But Drupal isn't a framework. Drupal's an application. Uh, Laravel is a framework, and but, but that's uh, I, I, I don't want to be bad mouthing Laravel. That's uh, it's unnecessary. The, 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 I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling it's less of less. What is what is pure Symphony? If you have a Symphony code that just does Hello World, it's basically three PHP files. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is great, but it's, I, I feel this, um, looking at Symfony 2.0, standard edition, it has plenty of PHP files. Everything was included. Are, are you talking about it's opinionated? 
No, th- that's well, that's not saying it's not opinionated. It's not. It's no, just that's what I'm saying. The loss it, of opinion. It's a group of yeah. tools. Well, it's, I, I, the the overhead of using Symphony uh, has been very much reduced. Yeah, and, I, and yeah, that but... that sort of brings it more into the into the micro framework world. One might think. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it's just as capable as ever. So um... yeah, yeah n- naturally, I'm not questioning that. But it's uh, it's so so lightweight, so elegant, elegant now. Yeah, I there's mean... not a lot of boilerplate anymore, and I I, I like that. And, and he good. specifically talks about that in one of the blog posts about how like you know he's it's never been a problem for him to have all these files, but it's obviously a problem for other people, and they'll like the direction this is going in. Yeah, you know, but it's it's going more towards the micro framework style. Only what you absolutely need, and that is a change in design philosophy. Um, like Tobias, it, which I like. What's the intention? You know, is a framework just a group of pieces that happen to be able to work together, or are they built to work together? Um, and at least enough of a way where it has an identity as something other than just the components. Yeah, yeah, but, but using standardized components, say environment variables or make files, they they will work together with everything. And yeah. if you consider the symphony components, like the console component, it will work together with anything. So it's basically uh-huh. just just an, an open source organization creating great tools, and we, we call it a framework. I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying. It's not a framework, but it doesn't feel like a framework because it's nothing from the beginning with. You mean when you download it, it's it's not already a pack. Yeah, when when mm-hmm. I download, when I'm when I'm starting to to use it, and I mean every everything is just standardized components. I mean even the file structure is standardized now. It's pure pure Unix. Yeah. Or or I mean yeah. or, or am I way wrong or am I just making nonsense? No, you're making a very no, philosophical this. point, but this. yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, and even even the fact that you you start with only one file with Flex, and then how do you get more files? You just require packages via Composer. I mean, if you if you kind of walked me through that process, I would say this person is not building with the framework. They're downloading individual components and wiring it all up themselves. So yeah, it definitely yeah. has that feeling of uh, yeah. just kind of grabbing packages. Um, well, let me let me ask you guys a question: Is Laravel itself the project Laravel? Is that a Symphony application? No, it's better that a Symphony application. It's a it's a it's a framework that uses some Symphony components. It uses a lot of Symphony. Symphony yeah, components. it uses a lot of Symphony components, and it put this it's glue in front of it, or that yeah, it puts something in front of Symphony components that mails that make so it more opinionated. Is the problem some people feel better? Is a problem, or is the is I don't know if it's a problem or issue or what, but is the thing that you're that you're pointing out here that at this point there there isn't necessarily a whole lot of difference between saying that Laravel is a Symphony framework application versus what Symphony framework actually gives you when you start, like that it's become so abstract now that you can almost say anything is a Symphony framework application. Is that like it's not it's almost meaningless to say there's a framework in there somewhere. I, I, I would take the same question and put it in other words. What is the Symphony framework? It would be, yeah. I mean, technically it would be Symphony slash framework dash bundle. It's Flex the framework. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm using 20 uh, Symphony components without using the framework bundle. Is that a framework? Is that the Symphony yeah. framework? You're not using yeah, the Symphony framework. No, you're not using the Symphony framework in that okay. case. Yeah, so it's the framework you're bundle using... that is the framework. 
Yes, otherwise you're using components. And um, Laravel's yeah. example it does use a few Symfony well, it, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how many, like uh, but it uses a few Symfony components. It adds a lot of other stuff that isn't necessarily using Symfony components, um, but it also it's uh, crucially not using the framework bundle, which is yeah. how how. Um, I would say the, uh, framework, the framework, framework becomes a framework, basically. Yeah, I, I would say the framework bundle because I, I was actually just looking at the framework bundle earlier because I've never really looked at it to see what's in there. And I was looking at it, I was like, oh, okay, their conceptualization of a framework is that, you know, the configuration goes, like, this is where the parts that configure it go. Like, the, this is all the pieces that, that, like, actually make it something other than a bunch of standalone stuff that you can call individually, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's from a definition point of view, I would say that um, abstractly, I guess it is the framework bundle. But you're, I, I, I agree with you. It's kind of shocking, Tobias, to go, oh, hey, look, here's my brand new Symphony application, and I open it, and all it is is a composer file. Like that doesn't feel like I've done anything, like I've accomplished anything. And if the same thing could be said for the next Laravel release. Right, that you open it and it has those two things in it, then you could potentially make the argument that Laravel is actually a Symphony application from that point of view. But that brings me back to my question a minute ago: Is Symphony Flex symf equivalent to Symphony Framework? Um, yeah, I would say now it is. Yeah, and and just to back up a second ago, you know, because Laravel doesn't have Framework bundle, they are they are and do end up being very very different things. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah, and I'm not arguing that it is. I was just trying to make it the comparison so we could see that you know yeah. what's the spectrum of a symphony application so all in, the way up in, in flex does depend on symphony slash framework bundle um so i think you can really symphony that slash framework bundle is the framework um but i think going forward uh flex is going to be inseparable from that you know like technically you can use the symphony framework without flex but you know you'd just be leaving a lot of the features on the table uh, and making your life harder for for no benefit um, well, you'd be gluing them together yourself. You'd that, be, yeah, you, yeah you, you'd be doing more glue yourself. So the interesting thing is, which I hadn't thought about before, is you know, framework bundle itself is 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 fairly large. It does a good job internally of uh, of not turning on features if it doesn't have to, and that's something that's gotten even more in Symphony 3.3. You know, for example, like uh, detecting whether or not the form classes are there, and if the form classes aren't there, not enabling the form services. It does a really good job with that. Um, but in theory, you could, uh, with, with Flex, because Flex makes gluing things together easier, in theory, I don't know if we'll do this or not, but you could start making the framework bundle itself smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Uh, before, it was a t you didn't really want to because it was just a pain because now there's more stuff for you to wire together. I want, Oh, I want to use the form system, so now I need to enable the form bundle or something like that. Uh, but since Flex takes care of that for you, um, you could in the future see a framework bundle that becomes more and more focused. And, uh, and, and just for the philosophy of this conversation, you know, the point that uh, Tobias is, brings up is, is that it would be kind of cool just to see what if you took the framework bundle and, and eliminated everything from it that you possibly could. Um, it'd be kind of interesting to see what that what was left, because that would still be the framework uh, would just be kind of like yeah. the, the lightest glue layers to glue the rest of the system together. Hmm. Yeah. So you were also talking about Tobias now switching subjects, obviously. Uh, you were talking about how Symphony Flex is becoming more and more like, um, you know, other other Unix applications with the new directory structure, which we haven't talked about already, uh, with environment variables and with make files. And I wanted to just briefly touch upon those three things. 
Yes, shoot. And uh, and uh, and uh, let's start with what I hope is the least controversial one because I have been very much personally invested in this uh, uh, environment variables. <laughs> They're great, aren't they? Everyone loves them. <laughs> is it is it any point disagreeing with you now? No. Okay, I love them. <laughs> Uh, no, but so so symphony. Yeah, have you seen data with an environment variable, like table data, like what? Like... What? Pass <laughs> in like all my data in a JSON blob. Will that work with an environment variable? Sure. Yes. So let me give you since I I am I am a uh, as an outsider to the environment variable thing because because what Magnus is alluding to is is there were some really cool things that were done with environment environment variables. Was it for three point two? Three point two. Yes. Three point two. Yeah. Um. Uh, we won't go into the technical details, but but now it's the environment variables and being able to use them are, are first class citizens, and you can do some really great stuff. So I use um, I use platform.sh to deploy some of our apps, and uh, annoyingly, uh, because they don't use environmental variables the way that I want them to. So let's pretend they don't use environmental variables. It's not totally true, but basically they don't, and I and, and I can't use them the way I want to. Um, it means that. Um, I actually need to put my code onto my server first and then run my cache clear, which means my code is kind of already up there. And, and then I need to kind of wait for the cache clear to run, which kind of takes some time. And, and I do that basically because I need, um, well, to explain this better, they do have environment variables, but they only kind of have them. No, 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 let's pretend they don't. I'm sorry. I'm explaining this poorly. I basically need to uh, clear, clear my cache once I'm up, once I'm up on my server, because that's the first time that I have all of my kind of configuration available to me because they don't use environment variables or they, at least they don't use them correctly, which just kind of sucks because then um, my production server is kind of working away and doing this cache clear and it's sometimes it's heavy and takes a long time. What I'd rather do is run my cache clear locally, get the whole cache built and then just send that up to the production server. And that's actually not possible, uh, at least with the way that they have their system set up, um, uh, because let me explain this better. Because thanks to environment variables and when environment variables are used correctly, you can cache all of your code and compile all of your cache to your cache clear locally. Because what actually goes into the cache container are just these little git env calls. And so yeah. even if locally those environment variables aren't available. Who cares? Just cache your container, get the whole package ready, and then just send it up to your server. And as soon as it's up on your server, your code, those git env calls, will magically just start kind of loading things. Um, and, and the reason this was done was exactly for that, for kind of cloud service providers, because they want you to kind of put code on their servers that actually has git env in it so that they could even potentially dynamically change your environment variables at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning, uh, and your application code automatically picks it up. So that was actually a thing in 3.2. You may not have run up against it yet, but there's a good chance if you're going to use a platform as a service in the future, you will. And and thanks to kind of standardizing around environmental variables, you'll probably never notice that it was ever a problem before because it's just going to work. Yeah. And I mean, so, and, and also the build steps, the actual having to build your application is something that um, uh, platform.sh I, I don't know if they actually do it but but that's it certainly sounds like it if you're using docker you're building an image and then that image is used later so you want to have the cache as part of your image uh, heroku does the same thing when you're actually uploading code to them you have a compile step which compiles the uh, the application into an image and um, so, so it really makes a lot more sense to be able to pass in configuration to your already built application. And that's 
what you use environment variables for. And it's um, it's been working great since since 3.2. Uh, so I'm very happy with that. So in in, in 3.3, really not 3.3, because these this is one of those things that you could do already today, but you won't see it until you actually use Symphony Flex. By the way, quick thing back to your point, Magnus, on what's 3.3 versus 4. Symphony Flex will, like kind of alpha version, will come out in a few weeks, and you can start using it immediately, and it will have the new directory structure and all the new stuff. Um, so you don't have to wait till Symphony 4. It won't be stable and released till Symphony 4, but you can start doing yep. this stuff immediately. Um, so anyways, you know, because when you start using Flex, you will, uh, it'll be pre-configured to read environment variables. Um, so basically, instead of having a parameters.yml file, you'll have just a .env file. Um, but for all intents and purposes, they, they serve the same purpose. Uh, they do the same thing, and, um, and your application is going to be uh, way, way more prepared to get deployed up to a platform as a service. Yeah, and if I mean, if you're still using, um, if you're still hosting your own servers, deploying via, for example, Capistrano or uh, something like that, it's first of all you don't have to use the .env file, but if even if you do, it's you you have your configuration, your server specific configuration in a .env file instead of a parameters.yaml file. It's 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 really and what's something that's actually new in three point three is the Symphony component to handle dot env files. I believe um, previously you've had to use there's there's other packages that's the same thing, um, but now Symphony ships with with a Symphony dot env component of its own. I believe. Yes, that's correct. And and if you haven't done this stuff before, the the workflow is since setting environment variables is kind of annoying locally you create a .env file and Symfony reads them from there. But mm -hmm. as soon as you actually have environment variables, if you want to use them, like when you deploy, then then those are used. Uh, so the .env is almost like this fallback for convenience that you set. And it's everything you set. It's, 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 it's beautiful. It's awesome. It's just like parameters.yml, but with, but with fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, oh, go ahead. Uh, can, I, can I ask a quick question or just, what what y'all's impressions are from from I assume all you guys are are have done but I probably know that all you guys have done um, major release upgrades. Just looking at the outline that has been given, and, and I'm I'm assuming a little bit of inside information you have, Ryan. What is your like the very first question I got was well, what is the anticipated impact to a, one that's been written in like three point two to making it work in a system that's been changed this much? It seems like a lot of it is not. Like actual like stuff being changed that we would that we interact with as developers, it seems like it's systemic settings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, really good question. But, so uh, it'll be the upgrade from from three to four will be easier than two to three, and that's just because of Symphony's maturity. There's actually less things that have changed uh, that will you know backwards compatibility changes. Um, I think that impact the user uh, from three to four than there were from two to three. Um, the directory structure .env changes. This is just going to take a really good blog post. It's it's going to be fairly simple. It's going to be the we'll rename this directory to this, um, remove your parameters .yml file and put it into .env. And even those things are optional. Um, and I think one of the the biggest things you'll see uh, again is back to kind of the auto wiring type of changes. Ultimately, those are optional. So at the end of the day, if you have all of your services wired up manually today. Um, you're going to be able to take that exact configuration to Symphony 4 and not change anything. So, uh, you know, these are, we're, we're trying to give you like new, fun, awesome features, um, but they're all opt in. Uh, I think one of the more difficult things for 
us, for example, in the documentation is to try to communicate this to users. Like here's here's how you create a controller. But if we in the docs show it as a as a your controller as a service, um, that's great for new users if we explain it well. But for existing users, we need to kind of help bridge that gap to say, hey, it's okay that your controller is not a service. It doesn't have to be a service. Um, but, but you know, here, here's what it would look like if it were a service. And since yours isn't a service, here are the things that are different. Um, so a lot of the changes are going to be optional. And, and so that means you can do them uh, on your own schedule or, or not do them at all. So I think the upgrade from, from 3 to 4 is going to be fairly easy. Yeah. And by the way, that, that's what makes Symphony amazing. You know, we don't, we don't leave you behind. I, I feel like I, we don't talk about this enough in the Symphony community. There is nothing like the, the release process and the deprecation process that Symphony has adopted, and I take no credit for it at all. Uh, I'm sure you guys all have stories of, like, you've gone from Symphony 2 to Symphony 3, and you didn't have to shut down your site for two weeks or spend six months basically trying to fix everything. Um, you can just upgrade forever, and, and that is a very special thing, and a lot of work goes into that. So uh, go and uh, uh, tell your friends and family, even though they don't want to hear about it, um, how amazing that is. <laughs> oh, they hear about it. <laughs> they just don't understand what they, they don't just don't understand it. what symphony is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's one of the things that I do. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about symphony is that it's actually so easy to so well. It's it, the processes in symphony are so uh, so mature uh, that it's easy to keep backwards compatibility and. Uh, it's easy to do things like major version upgrades, and there's you're not going to be hit with a um, uh, w- with a uh, backwards compatibility break uh, that's not even documented, or uh, you, you'd have no way of anticipating or something like that. It's it's um, it's very much it's very pleasant to work with in that way. Um, sure, but, but let's um, talk about the new directory structure in F- Symphony Four. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, what do you think Nothing, about Tobias? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. I, um, I, I, I don't see that this is necessarily better, but I see that it sure makes more sense. Uh, I'm not recommending anyone to switch to new directory structure, but definitely for new products, sure, let's, let, let's do this. Can you, uh, Tobias, summarize just a couple of the the more noticeable changes? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, there is a uh, the app uh, directory is is removed. We're using etc directory instead. The app For configuration. Kernel... Pardon. So the app directory consists of multiple things, but the configuration part of the app directory, the app config is what you use etc for instead. Yes, and the app kernel is moved to the source directory. Yes. And, and, and also... <laughs> do, do, do you want to continue? Yeah, I can continue. And the templates <laughs> from the app resources wow. use is moved to the I templates. Mean, can you love yourself more? <laughs> <laughs> I, Tobias, I thought you were doing a fine job. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I do believe there's some other things as well. I can't. Those are the those are the most those the those are the big ones I, I was remembering as well. So 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 it means that app is gone entirely because yeah. app config has gone to slash etc. App resources has gone to uh, um, 
or app, sorry, app resources templates is, or views has gone to templates and the app kernels moved to SRC. So I think, so I think app is gone entirely. I don't, I'm not sure about yeah. translations. Maybe, maybe I guess they would be in slash ETC as well. Possibly. And there's also changes in the var directory. When the var directory came with symphony three, uh, it, it has the var cache directory. And I believe that now it's the var cache directory and there's a specific var temp directory. Uh, where var cache is where your compiled container lives, and var temp is where temporary files, uh, which is not necessarily part of the compilation process, uh, lives. So what happens is that the var cache is read only. Uh, yes. Well, it's not, nothing forces that. It's like, but like you're supposed to make it read only. Yes. And you're supposed to be very well behaved and not put any files in there at runtime. Yeah, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but Symphony. Oh, 3.3 is all PSR6, right? So you don't really need a, a, a cache folder like the back, like before for, for uh, caching serialization or annotations or sessions, storing sessions. Well, I mean, there's certainly... I mean, ideally, so like the, the only thing that I could think of is code generation, but ideally you would do that as part of your compilation. Yeah, but th th so, that's read only. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, there's so, so there's. So actually, there's one thing that I know that can be part of the temp directory, and that would be if you're using the new Symphony lock component and you need to use uh, semaphores. Wow. Sure, but you, they you, you, you shouldn't would... keep those in cache as well? Uh, you, you, it's not necessarily true that you can. Yeah, if we assume that we want cache to be read-only, those lock files need to be created at runtime. Yeah, but I think he's talking about yeah, a PSR6 sorry. cache. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving all things PSR6. PSR6 doesn't give enough guarantees to be able to be used as a locking backend, that's, I believe. That's very true. That's very true. I so so <laughs> that there's your use case. Wow. Yeah, the new lock component. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tobias so, is gonna get into that that flex. Sure. <laughs> He's gonna be yeah. promoted. Yeah. Uh but so so my my take on the directory structure is uh basically that it, it, it's probably good if you're coming from like a Linux background. But if you're coming from some other background, I don't see how it's necessarily less confusing to have. I mean, app config sort of makes sense. ETC doesn't, I mean, it's, it's named for historical reasons. And that's actually similar to sort of, sort of make files. They're used, make files are written in this, is, well, actually we can talk more about that um, soon, but, it's it's written in this really really arcane language that's used because it's the standard and etc is named etc because it's the standard i mean it stands for etc so technically it would be anything any, anything really like i could put my lock files in there yeah like i mean it's etc so anything that doesn't have any any other better place to be yeah that's so, pretty so, much what I meant by by the new by my comment about the new the directory structure. I mean, right. sure, I don't see it's better, but it's sure it's more more standardized, more makes more sense. It's more Unix standardized for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and this gets back to where I, I mean, and, and I'm sure you guys have a different opinion on this, but I, I feel like a lot of this, this Flex Force stuff has to do with automating it in a cloud environment. And what is Sensio doing? They're doing Sensio Cloud. So changing it to Etsy is something that's a lot more predictable from a from a standardization point of view. So yeah, other things that, that's, that's outside thing, are better. No, it's not. No, it's and uh, I, I um, basically I, I I we'll have to see how 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 new new Symphony learners uh, how how this works. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. we have unlike the the directory change from Symphony two to Symphony three. Which basically you you could you could technically go or do some stuff and, and get it to work beforehand, but basically nobody used it until it was out and, and final. Um, yeah. We'll have a good like six plus months of people using Flex. Um, so yeah, it's, it's actually kind of cool because we can get that feedback and and see if yeah. maybe you know Etsy is a crappy name and we should call it Config instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Etsy. Uh, I've never understood Etsy like the name Etsy. Until I read that article, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's what's supposed to go in there." Yeah, but I, actually, Etsy's I, I think I, even I used Unix for years before I started to get a feel for like what the standard directories actually meant. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot more obscure what etc would stand for than yeah. Can... And a lot of it, a lot of it is all these these uh, historical reasons that goes back to the seventies, which. Speaking of the '70s, brings us to Makefiles. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what I want. I would love I would love your guys' thoughts on because I know very little about Makefiles. So I, I know, know the I know I know Makefiles are standard, and standard is sort of sort of good. But M4, the language that Makefiles are written in, is used for nothing but Makefiles, and nobody likes it. I uh, Magnus, give, give a, a quick description of uh, why, why are we talking about makefiles? Well, makefiles is basically the, the the standard Unix way of doing things that aren't done with shell scripts. And and why are we talking about it in terms of when building when building applications? I mean, it's 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 very confusing. It's that's. Um, so, so in some ways, you could say you think of it as a makefile is, is does the same job as a shell script. Not well, they're sort of over overlapping in in their in their uses. Well, yeah, there's it seems like there's things that makefiles do, like reaching down into and sorting and looking and doing stuff that would be fairly difficult to do with yeah. uh, a very abstract language like Bash. You know, I think if you're things. looking if you're looking at the the sort of supposed to be difference between a make file and a shell script is that a make file at some point is supposed to produce an artifact that is a file so that it can check to see if this has already been done before. So oh, yeah. One of the things he mentions is being able to know if things have changed. Yeah. So a make file basically is supposed to say, like, if you're, if you're building a program, you're going to have if you're compiling something, you're going to have an output. You're going to have a compiled program, which is your, which is your output. And the the idea of the make file, from what I understand, and that's is really that the make file specifies that in order to 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 make this particular file, we have to do this, and perhaps this depends on some other file. And in order to do that file, we have to do this. And if we already have that file, that's fine. So we don't have to do those things. We just have to do those other things, which is not. That's, so, so that's that's, that's that, a that weird would be way to look at make files. 
Come again? That's a weird way to look at make files. I mean, you should only consider them as script aliases. That's not... Well, should you? Really? Yeah, I mean... That's the purpose of make files. Not the sole purpose, not the only purpose, no. Maybe, well, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 mean, um, I mean, I mean... I mean, you you can have a make you can have a make alias just writing to do just to clear your cache or just to build your assets or just to do whatever. But, but if why your assets are to build, that? they should be rebuilt when you run the command again. But why would you do that instead of doing it via shell script then? Uh, because shell scripts is not a standard. You, Whereas and, and, make actually to, that's. Uh, I, I need to watch my mouth here so that I, so we can still keep our uh, our family friendly rating here. But that's a load of poppycock. No, no, no. <laughs> if you get any job application, you can use use uh, you can use Maven or Ant to build it. You know, if you download the job application, and run uh, MVN build, it will be so, built. Can you, can you tell me the differences between GNU Make and BSD Make? No, I can't. No, because well, there's at least three stand- letters difference. Well, it's it's not standardized. So so make files, just like shell scripting is sort of there's a core which is the same and is POSIX standardized, and then there's the extensions, uh, which are different between say GNU Make and BSD Make, and there's a not standardized, and it's horrible. Which is, I yeah, believe, okay, okay. why there's something called the GNU Auto Tools, uh, which is even worse. Um, so, so let me ask a question here. What 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 problem is is Fabian trying to solve with with make files right. and and is it or isn't it a, a good solution and and if not what what are some other options? I mean, even he mentions that he back, went back and forth on this. It, it wasn't a easy suggestion. I assume you could still use the same. You don't have to use the make files, right? I mean, no, it's just I mean, it's just a handy practice. tool. The the only so the the option is to so the way I see it the option is to use um, a, either a pure PHP console command or a shell script, um, but the 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 one thing that make files have going for them is that they're extremely they're extremely common in Unix. It's, okay. Yeah. Sh- make files sure. are in everything. Sure. And okay, speaking about make files. How do you run your? Uh, how do you run the test on your Symfony application? Well, I mean, you could have something like um, okay. Then uh, how, like how do you do test? But but uh, the way I do it is I have a shell script called Run Tests. No, no, but sure. But wouldn't it be nice to just have a common way? You just, you just write make test and you run your spec test or you run your PHP unit test and whatever. Well, I mean, so I, I know you could have a make tests target, but but I mean, you, I could just as well say, well, should it be make test or make tests? Hey, can yeah, I do something sure. real quick? Sure, sure, sure. Let's let's have a uh, more standard way of doing this instead of write, writing your shell script by yourself. That that's the purpose of the make file. It's and as you're saying, it's more standard way of doing things in the Unix. Sure. Yes. Um. So so and and as. All the other features is an opt-in thing. If you think it's more, they're more comfortable, sure, use them. If if you don't, I mean, you're not forced to. Well, can can we can we real quick just list the reasons in the article that Fabian has? Uh, one is a standard, make a standard. The other the others are it's uh, it's more powerful than scripts run by composer. Doesn't rely on PHP. 
It can be used to ease deployment to connect remote servers via SSH to run a Blackfire test scenario. I guess uh, uh, it's two eyes. It's not, not so. That's the, um, yeah, it's, it's not Use it to run NPM, Gulp, Webpack, you name it. Tasks where Symphony commands is not practical nor desirable. Profit from executing scripts in parallel. Don't run tasks if nothing has changed. Make is powerful. That was it. Yes. Yeah, and sure, you could use shell scripts for this as well. Yes. But why, why would you? Because makes the great tool. Would it be like... The, the like reason you would is because... Eyes the out with a fork. Yeah, the, the reason you would is because the syntax of make files is <laughs> is, is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, that I'll, I'll, be the I'll, I'll help you, no worries. <laughs> so, so the question is, you know, if two things. Is the way the make file looks going to spook, scare users? Because um, I've not done a lot of make files, but I, I'm looking it at his examples. It scares it, it, it me. Looks wild. <laughs> and i and i have 10 years of developing symphony uh, they, okay there's your answer then and second thing is what is, kind of is, swedish education you guys get in these days yeah <laughs> are, are users going to need to write these very much or, or probably it's just going to be that flex is going to give you the couple you need and 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 so you're just kind of a user of it because the as tobias was saying the user interface for it is really cool right you're like make cash clear make test whatever it is you know like you just make blah and like things happen so that's really nice so if i if i don't have to write these then then that's pretty cool but if we kind of envision that users are going to have to write these quite a bit then it gets less cool yeah but but also that's that's also maybe the thing why minus doesn't really like the language or the syntax of it because mike files is something you set up once and then forget about you just you only write them in the beginning of the product project and then you just use them so, sure, if if someone wrote them for me, Make would be an excellent tool. Yeah. Well, I, I have one more question, uh, which I'll, so I'll cut off your grumbling uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and go with this. Uh, one of the advantages in that, uh, that, Jared, you listed from Fabian's blog post was that you won't do things twice if it's already been done. Do we yep. have an example mm-hmm. of that in Symphony? I'm trying to think of an example of like, oh, it's cool because now when you run make this, it'll be faster because it knows that you already ran this, so it doesn't need to run it again. Is there an example of that? A task in which it would know, like determining whether nothing has changed would m- mean that it doesn't ever run? Yeah, isn't that the idea of make files? Like, oh, when I run make install or something, it, it, it already realizes that files <sighs> A, B, and C have already been built, so it only needs to build D, E, and F. I kind of get that idea, but in the symphony world yeah. are we going to take advantage of that or not what are some of the tasks that you would do and make well i mean some one thing you could do like is is the container built or do have we already downloaded uh, assets via npm uh, or um um has webpack been run or something ah, that's interesting um, so those would have to be different though than than uh, there'd have to be some make task for like clear my cache because because I still need to be able to kind of forcefully clear my cache. Like I already know, yeah. I, mean, I do have the cache container, but I know that I want to clear one, or I want to clear it. But 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 I guess you could you could have a second one then that says yes, sort of almost make guarantee my cache is there, and uh, and then it would skip it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you're deploying, you kind of know that it's not there or there. Well, say say you're building a say you have a target to create your Docker image. Uh, in, in which case you do need to build your cache first. So your Docker target, your make Docker image target, is dependent on uh, on your your Symfony cache and your uh, Webpack files or whatnot. 
in that case, when you're doing make Docker image, it's not going to be doing all of that again. But, yeah. I'm not sure... Like in compiled things, like like if you're doing as a, a, a project in C, it makes a lot of sense because then you would, like for each subdirectory, you would compile all the files in there, and if they they've changed, you would do make clean in that directory, and then you would compile, not not the entire project because that could take like forever. Uh, you would just compile those things and you would relink it and that's and that's the environment that make files were born out of and um, but, but um, can I ask I a really simple question what changes need to be made to make make work with symphony none so none is he just saying we're gonna change the best practices to hey use make yes oh although flex does have integration for make files where in, in, in the flex definition files, you're able to specify that these lines should go into the make file. So as, so as I install things, I just like magically inherit new make commands, which, which is pretty yeah. cool. Especially when you consider yeah. if I install a library, maybe not even a bundle, um, all of a sudden that library might add a new make file um, or a make command, which, which is pretty cool. Make target. Exactly, exactly. Uh, exactly, exactly <laughs> what I said. And the same can't be said for a shell script. Well, I mean, that is, that's even uh, that's actually already even a part of Composer. Like, a uh, Composer package can uh, install binaries in the bin directory. So is the only controversy here that Fabian said makefile in a symphony? I think the con only controversy is makefile has an ugly syntax. Yes, that's, that is the only controversy, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. And it is an alternative. Well, I mean, there are alternatives like CMake or even even as as Tobias was talking about, like Ant or uh, or Rake from, from the Ruby world or um, there's npm gulp. No, <laughs> you could do stuff with it. You could. I'm sure, you could do stuff. You build all kinds of stuff. Nothing to do. But that's. I mean, yeah. But you also think yeah. about dependencies. So I mean, even if yeah. even if these are valid solutions, you have to think like, okay, do I? Does that all of a sudden require my system to need to have Node? Does it require my system to need to have um, Java or something else? Not that that's a, yeah. a game. Uh, well, no. My only point was it. It doesn't have to be some like completely outside. I mean. Yeah. No. I mean, I the thing people doing it with npm, then they could do it with npm too. It's. it's yeah. I think the only doesn't matter. Yes. The only really serious air quotes contender to uh, against make is cmake, and or smake is also a contender, I believe, but that's even less common. Uh, and cmake tends to be installed on a lot of systems, but yeah, make is still way more common. But there, this isn't, I mean, this isn't a, a Symfony-specific issue. This is a Unix issue. There's all programming communities have issues with using, with, with make files, because make files are so horrible. But, but other than uh, that, so pretty awesome. I don't know. The mainframers might not use make. Who knows? So, so that's, why, that's why there's CMake, and that's why there's SMake and all these alternatives. But none of them have really been able to catch on in the same way that uh, GNU make and BSD make uh, have. Um, thank you. Be before, before we end the podcast, I really want to hear what Symphony 4 has to offer for the front-end community. Ah. Yes, that's, that's interesting. It's, it's, so, uh, so, yeah, so I'll, um, 
we all know right now that Symphony offers nothing uh, as far as like front end CSS and JS, those types of things. Um, and, and that's on purpose, right? Because like the, the JavaScript world moves quickly. And I think that's one of the things we realized with Aesthetic. When Aesthetic came out, the JavaScript world was not was all, almost non-existent. Sort of the the Node world. Um, that was front end for back end developers. Yeah, so we made front end for back end developers, and and that's actually what every single language did. We actually uh, Aesthetic is a, a port of web assets from Python. We looked at other back end languages and said like, what are the really good libraries out there? So if you wanted to combine your JavaScript files or CSS files, um, you did that in your language in Python, in Ruby, in PHP, and you know. So fast forward, we you know. That's the reason we sort of um, stopped recommending Aesthetic because the world was changing, but it's also such a fast-moving target um, that it was difficult for, you know, Symphony as a framework to want to jump onto something just so that it could basically be deprecated and be old news six months later. Um, So, you know, there's kind of two approaches to this. One is that Symphony will never, in some sense, like, recommend and take care of the front-end stuff for you because... That's really up to you. It's up to your front-end developers. Um, there's a whole community out there to do it. That being said, as you're seeing with Symphony 4 and Flex, you know the idea is we kind of want to give you an end-to-end experience and kind of recommend things for you that, of course, you don't have to use, but you can if you want to. And I think for a lot of back-end developers, me included, I do want those front-end tools. I do want to be able to combine my CSS files and my JavaScript files. And and if my framework takes care of that for me, that's a huge benefit. And if it doesn't, that's like another thing I need to spend five extra days figuring out. Um, so we don't have anything uh, released well, yet. What's that question? Well, is, is it a huge benefit to Symphony or is it a huge benefit to the person who it just happens to work for? Like, I, I don't know if it benefits Symphony as a project, as an open source project, to spend too much time on that for exactly the reasons you said. You're exactly Front right, because then you yeah. end up uh, having to maintain something that's not even used anymore. So it's a huge benefit to the yeah. end user. It's very slippery slope for, framework, for, for a Symphony framework. Um, and actually, you see that in, uh, in Laravel, because they have... Um, uh, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called, but <clears throat> they have uh, integration around Gulp. Um, but Gulp is like not as trendy hipster as it used to be. Um, yeah. So they came well, out now with, with Browserify. What's that? Now it's Browserify. And now it's, yeah, well, no, it, now it's Webpack. Well, yeah, Webpack has come back and forth a couple of times. So, yeah, so this is this is what we're dealing with here. So um, in Symphony 4, and that's, is that'll actually come up much before that, we are going to release a library that makes integrating Webpack, which has nothing to do with Symfony, is already something that you can use today, easier in your Symfony application. Um, it's uh, Laravel has something called Mix, which actually does this already. Um, they did a really great job with that, and so a lot of what we're doing is inspired by them. We've actually already told them that. Um, so coming, really starting probably with Symfony 3.3, we'll see how fast things get done. There will be a nice little tool treat that you can bring into your app so that you can use webpack which is really really awesome um, but but configuring webpack is an absolute nightmare um, you can use webpack in your application to get really good integration with symphony and it'll cover hopefully 90 percent of the webpack use cases and you can actually start writing awesome javascript without having to worry about any of this stuff cool that sounds pretty awesome and if you have a clever name for it you can tell me hey, uh, right now it's called right right now we're calling it magnus that's a that's a good that's a good name. I would I would suggest like looking at the rest of the JavaScript world. How about Beetroot JS? Whoa, I like that. Yes, hmm. Beetroot JS. 
beetroot. Oh no, I thought you were saying Groot, like from the. Uh, that's a the, it's a good a good idea, but probably copyrighted. <laughs> How do you spell it? B e b e e t r u u t. Ryan had this long, long monologue about how to make Symphony better experience for front-end developers. Yeah. And, and the, the only question is all about my, my stupid suggestion for a name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. I, yeah, I think, I think, I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. Hey, yeah. before we go, guys, I wanted to end this. I wanted to suggest ending this conversation on this uh, uh, episode on just a brief uh, uh, recap of where Symphony has come. Uh, from version one to version four, as uh, as uh, Fabian mentioned, there's been um, a number of different, like every major release has come with a different uh, overarching um, theme or thing that they're attempting to do. Uh, so just like you know, Symphony Flex is four. Version one came out had a certain thing. Version two, version three, yeah. version four. And uh, Magnus, I know you've been around. Ryan, you're you're kind of a resident historian for Symphony. Yeah, uh, Symphony Symphony One wasn't actually the first released version. I mean, they started at Symphony 0.6. Yeah, I'd never heard Sensio Framework before. That was a new one. <laughs> but I, and, you know, one was a release that had to do with with you know getting a product out there, getting framework out there, so on and yeah. so forth. It had a they were trying to do something with it, and at that time, I believe they were trying to do a Ruby on Rails port, right? Sort of. So, it, it was it was quite Rails-like, yes. Um, initially, and then version two was a whole refactor. To move to componentization, things like yeah. that. But of course, in between those, there was Symphony 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, and 1.4, which uh, introduced different ideas uh, as well. Like 1.3, I believe, introduced um, introduced a form component somewhat. <laughs> the, the old SF form. You've been around for a while, uh, Magnus. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was hoping you'd forgotten that, it sounds like. Yeah, I know. Uh, but Symphony 2 really, really... What was was um, uh, I believe? Uh, Why the, was the, the, so different? So uh, the the idea was to get rid of of uh, to, to 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 well to get higher code quality to make use of dependency injection. Uh, back in Symphony One, everything was sort of intermingled. There was a lot of dependency on global state, uh, which I believe by the time of Symphony One Point Four had been reduced sort of to. A dependency of on a on a uh, static class called SF context, uh, which was omnipresent in your code. Um, so so um, basically, the idea to get rid of global state to make the code more testable, to make it to to increase the quality, uh, and thereby use dependency injection. That's the big dependency injection was really the big ticket item for Symphony 2.0, um, and I don't know if there was if we're comparing two point two point oh and three point oh. I don't know if there was any any real real like like overarching ideas that were new in three point oh. If I, if I can, uh, because I those had all been the purpose of three was to remove the deprecation layer. Exactly, and, exactly. And, to, I, and to, I think to, that's actually the the killer feature, even though it's not very uh, impressive. Yeah. Is the, the fact that you were actually able to upgrade and we did the dep- deprecation thing. Um, it was yeah. sort of like this silent, uh, amazing feature. Yeah. 
because all of the amazing features were already introduced into in the in the minor versions, and that's of course how it's how it's been in Symphony Three as well. Except Symphony Four is, I, I mean, it's not it's not really introducing Flex, but it's sort of the bannerman for Flex. It it carries the uh, the Flex banner uh, onto the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like there's a progression, you know. The first thing was just get something out there. Version two was a radical realignment. Version three was distilling it down so that they can build something on a on a firmer base. You know, removing the stuff that's no longer you know relevant. And now version four, the excitement, as Fabian pointed out, the excitement about version four is is that no longer do they have to like the last two releases were a lot of busy work. You know, there's features are added, things like that, but there was also this like major concern of we we really want to or reorganize it into something that can be uh, more useful. But we have to get there first. So there were two whole versions that were nothing but focusing on on realigning it and then distilling it down. So the the exciting thing about Symphony Four is the fact that we've gotten to the point now to where we can actually like start to automate some things that were difficult. We can start doing some things before, which maybe we didn't want to do because we re- we weren't really in the right place, and um, and I, I think it's ex- I, I think it's really exciting um, what version four represents because it's it's it feels like there's a maturity in version four of the underlying uh, emphasis on um, on uh, architecture, uh, like having a really good base, really being able to do things like auto install something and auto configure it and it doesn't get in your way anymore um i think there's, so I think there's developer yeah. experience you know that kind of thing while i while i hadn't uh you know backed up and and seen it from that far away and, and i don't think that uh, in reality it's like such a clean vision I, I think that's actually there's a lot of truth to that you know if you look at some of the more uh important features that are unlocking some of the new directory structure bundleless apps things like that you'll see that they they've been happening over many many versions you know if we had just woken up uh if we were still using uh, uh, if it were symphony 2.3 today and we suddenly woke up and, and and said this is what we need and we looked at and we were outlining the vision that symphony 4 and flex are we couldn't have realized that we there would have been too many changes that we needed to make to get there yeah. it needed to happen over yeah. a long period of time and also with the way that symphony deprecates and removes features sometimes you need to go across one or two majors because you kind of kind of need to do a, a first batch of changes uh, once, get across the major and remove the old stuff, and then take the next step over the next major. Um, you can't do. Sometimes there's certain things you can't do all at once uh, because you would break backwards compatibility, um, or you it, sometimes changes are just too drastic for the community. Um, that's why we kept App Bundle, for example, uh, uh, instead of just going straight to the app directory because it's just like too big of a change. You know, like you even would have made everyone, including my head, explode. Um, but a few years later. Now that we're all used to App Bundle, um, hey, you know, getting rid of App Bundle and making it app is is not such a big deal anymore. Yeah, and at least part of the 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 laying the road, you know, the 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 road for getting there has been done a little bit at a time. Until now, they go, but you know, you can look back and go, okay, we're in the right place to make this, and it's not going to be a disruptive change like it would have been doing it at version two point two or two or whatever, or even three, I guess. You know, because there's people aren't as dependent on on uh, on the underlying thing, or you or you know, if there's a maturity to the framework at this point, you've got people like Magnus have been 
you know, I, I'm not sure how long uh, uh, Tobias, you and, and and Ryan have been doing it, but I mean, Magnus has been doing it for a long, long time. And, you know, there's a lot of those people out there now. So it's not just about getting new developers. It's also about having um, uh, functionality that really works for people who have been in, in there for a long time and they don't really care about the upbundle. They just want to get rid of it. Um, and the system kind of works that way. You start off now because you don't need it um, to get the point across for those people, I guess. So, yeah. New Magnus, I, I like thinking of you as the, the symphony historian. <laughs> we're going to come to you with in the future with other questions um and it's okay if you don't know the answer as long as you give us an answer uh, yeah I'm, I'm very good at that good excellent yeah <laughs> so this episode of sound of symphony is coming to an end the show is produced by magnus nordander tobias nyholm ryan weaver and jared farish visit our website soundofsymphony.com and please subscribe to our uh podcast on itunes and thank you to our sponsors fervo happier KP university and dialogues app incorporated fervo is a symphony consulting business happier develops a platform for fair recruitment camp university provides symphony and php tutorials and dialogues apps is a web application services company our music cool intro and cool vibes is provided by kevin mcleod at incompetech.com and it slices under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Thank you, Kevin. And Symphony is a registered trademark of Fabian Potencier in the European Union and other countries. The podcast is not endorsed nor affiliated by Fabian Potencier. We're back next month with more Sound of Symphony.